what is your identity what's your external manifestations and what are you internally because every human being is different so there's no one size fit all in a diet there's no one size fit all in a career and there's no one size fit all in curiosity so the moment you are you against you then you're at peace with yourself and then at that point the true intellectual journey starts you know the last time we did this podcast was in 2021 and i, I looked back on it and i literally cringed because it was so different from like who we are right now and i feel like we've changed so so much and i think it's a perfect way to start this off especially because of the story that you told me yesterday and I don't even want to give it away I want you to take over and share this story because it shocked me about how so essentially there was this co-worker that you used to work with for god knows how many years and you went to this event you saw a bunch of people you haven't seen in a while and there was this one person who didn't recognize you and I want you to just take it away from there so let's back up a bit right several people know that I worked for the government for a long time and I left government maybe a few months ago maybe May of 2023 and so I kind of went into this hibernation mode. A lot of people didn't really know where I was, what was I doing. And then this was the first maybe social event that I went to. And uh, it was a farewell for a co-worker. So I said, you know what? It's been a while since I met all these people. I was kind of feeling a little bit of those withdrawal symptoms. Were you right? nervous? I, I was not nervous. I was ex as a kid actually excited that you're meeting some friends after a long time. You know how you were a kid and you have these sleepover parties and you go there and say, oh my God, I'm going to meet. That was the feeling. But it was also kind of a very mixed feeling because just like a week ago, there was uh, a person who passed away and he was a very, very, uh, you know, a solid man. Did right? You used to work with I him? I used to work with him and, uh, you know, he worked, he was actually the policy advisor to the mayor. Amazing man, a quiet person, but full of knowledge and wisdom, right? So it was kind of this mixed feeling, you know, part of it was I had not detached for a long time. It was only six months. But in that process, I had gone through my own personal transformations in many, many, many ways. I left government, not because I just wanted to leave. I left because I still felt that there were a few things to do. And we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail. Um, a business opportunity opened up. I became an entrepreneur. I really enjoyed what I did. And then there was this process in my life that was related to, to general wellness, right? And I had not given a lot of time, to, a lot of time and thought to that. And part of that wellness transformation, there was an internal aspect of transformation, which is more bodily. And then there was this external uh, transformation, right? Which was more kind of physical, physical that like you your can, beard, like the beard. Exactly. Because if people look at our podcast, we did together, like in 2021, you look so different. And I think that is the physical feature that people were like, whoa, I plus know. you lost so much weight. I in did, just like these past I few months. I didn't lose a lot of weight, honestly. I mean, I lost about 10 to 12 pounds, but it wasn't like I was like yeah, very obese. Right. But we'll talk about the, the internal phys internal health part of it separately. So the external is what we see, right? People see you externally. Internally, you might be having certain problems. Not many people know unless you articulate that and say, you know, I'm, I'm suffering from a problem. It could be blood pressure, it could be diabetes, it could be something more severe, God forbid. But anyway, so the external manifestation was the beard and some weight loss. And so I go up, I show up there, a few people see me, honest to God, did not recognize me. You know, when you meet a stranger and you're shaking hands and somebody and you, you shake hands and that person looked at me and shook hands in a very kind of not, 
when I say intimate, not in the intimate way of a friendship, but 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 like they don't but, know you. Yeah, like just you know when you meet a stranger and you shake hands with with a blank stare. Uh, hoping that somebody's going to talk, it was like this. And how many years did they know you? Like a they a know long. me for a while. Yeah, yeah. And we've we've worked together. We've met on social. That's kind of awkward. So, so it wasn't just one, right? It was it was more than one, including a very influential person. In, in, initially, was like, oh, you look a bit different, right? And so as this conversation happened, you know, a few of them came back to me and said, so what have you done? And I never realized that that little transformation, physical identity transformation can be so impactful to somebody else, right? Because it's a small minor thing that I did. I did not even realize it, that I look different and I'm appearing in a different way to somebody else. The perception of that person interacting with you is completely different, right? Hey, you did something. And I think that was very interesting because it is that's when it gave me the validation that what I'm doing is actually appearing to somebody like, oh, you look 20 years younger and I need to know what you did. And so as that conversation happened, it it ended up becoming a social conversation of its own in a circle and, I'll, and we'll share more of that. But that was the takeaway with the beard, the beard story. <laughs> I know. Well, it says, it, it goes back to a lot of the things that we were talking about yesterday about identity, right? Like so often we we feel stuck to this identity that we've always been. And I feel like for you over the past few months, like we've seen you, I see you every day. We talk every day. And I notice like there's certain things about you that have changed in, in terms of like confidence. I feel like you really always wanted to like create a podcast and you always wanted to build a brand. And I remember growing up, like you always said, Simi, like, show up on camera, you can speak really well, like just share your ideas. I'm not gonna say that you having this beard is just making you more confident to show up on camera, but I do feel like sometimes we have to shed new layers of our identity, things that we've held onto, whether that's through our wellness, but also through mental models that we've accumulated over time. And so I feel personally for you, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you leaving government to start a new career, you getting on this really deep biohacking wellness journey, coupled with, you know, us talking and us having all these ideas and us having so many family, like family conversations growing up. I feel like all of that is related to identity. And I feel like it's changed for you. Would you agree? Like, what do you think? Yeah. So, you know, when growing up for you, right, when I would do that, I really didn't have a very clear picture of what that really meant. What that meant to me at that point was some sort of a thing from a from a student standpoint to say listen your community footprint should be beyond beyond what you are doing um, in the sense that and don't get me wrong i there's nothing wrong when you go about collecting food cans and uh, you know for the homeless or uh, for some food drive somewhere Th those are great things but at the end of the day uh, this concept of karma is the act of doing right to me it is there's an act of doing when you're going around collecting donations. There's an act of doing when you're collecting I cans. I think like when kids are going to volunteer like yeah. and stuff, like you feel like it's a little bit. I find it a little bit more, a little, I used to find it with you guys and I'm going to only, I, I can only take the liberty yeah. with you guys, right? Because I'm not going to make it generalistic to say, I'm not going to say uh, anybody's doing that is not enough. But I felt at that point that you need to do more than beyond just Going to school. Going to school, collecting a bunch of, you know, donation drives and then giving it to an organization and calling it today and getting your volunteer hours and saying, hey, I got X amount of volunteer hours. Mm -hmm. Those were those check boxes that you had to 
kind of fill off, right? And that is where that connection of what is what are you standing for? What is your calling? What is your identity? Or right? purpose. Or purpose. And it's not very clear initially. No. But I think if if parents take the time to uh, dig down further and connect as you dig down and as you connect that to the child to say, you are doing this, not just to get a check off box, a box to be or checked off for volunteer hours, <laughs> but maybe you spend the time and watch a video. If it's about water, which is very passionate to me, then you should take the time to watch, watch some of the water crisis, the drought, the famine, the farmers committing suicide in India, right? The girls not being able to go to school because of sanitation crisis. If you're doing all of that, then kudos to you, more power to you. If you're not doing all of that, then, then that's a problem. So with you, it was, and with me too, it was about, in a general sense at that point, it was always this thing about, if I knew something, I need to tell five people around me. And you know that. You would always tell the family. We I would, would always right? talk about it. And so that has kind of throttled the throat chakra, if there is. Your throat right? chakra? Yeah, it used to, because I could never find the forum or the place to kind of expand it right like the outlet you mean the outlets and the you know you want to be able to have con continuity in conversations now you have to remember the internet wasn't there the digital media wasn't as as prevalent as it is now tools and technologies were not there so now those systems have come in place coincidentally i took the decision to make a career change and you got into your own realm of the digital world and so this is how we came together when we did the first podcast. So the identity part is always about evolution. My story X years ago was a certain identity, right? That identity has evolved as a function of age, as a function of maturity, as a function of relations, uh, networks, experience, what have you, right? So I think the important part here is to understand your identity at that present time. Your identity is always evolving. Right. Nothing is stagnant, right? You would agree? Oh, for Nothing sure. is stagnant. Your knowledge is changing, your body is changing, your environment is changing, everything Do you think changes. though, do you think, I don't wanna speak on behalf of the people in that industry, but do you think a lot of people when they're in the same job for X many years. Do, do you feel like their identities kind of become stagnant in terms of what they believe is possible for themselves, but also their curiosity to not just learn new things, but take on new passions or interests? Do you think that people probably suppress those aspects of themselves, whether it's self-expression or if it's an idea that they probably have? Because I've noticed that a lot with kids my age as well. It's like people, they're told, go to school, get a job, and that's fine. Some people follow that route, but then it also, I know some people in my community feel really stuck and stagnant with their identity because they've worked so hard to get to this one place. Like Ali Abdal, for example, he was a doctor and then he built this whole brand and then he like left the that whole industry very soon. It's just not easy for a lot of people. So without sounding like judgmental and passing judgment on anybody because we don't know their personal situations, sure. right? Somebody who's a banker uh, or somebody who's a car salesman or somebody who's in the private sector who's gone through a professional degree or education or somebody in government. We don't know the dynamics behind that person, right? Why are they there? Now, 
somebody has to do some job, right? Whether it's a janitor's job, sadly, or whether it's the CEO's job yeah. and everything in between. So jobs exist for a reason and, and we need them. they need and we need them, right? So so regardless of the position that you are in, let's it's a very complicated thing. So let's let's try to see if we can get somewhere with this. Take a janitor, take somebody who's um, on a golf range, you know, driving the golf cart, take somebody who's a mechanic and somebody who's a professional degree and somebody who's uh, an elected official, right? I think what happens is aspiration, human ambition is there regardless of the position you're in. Whether you, as whether the lower level jobs, you call it uh, as envy because they're envious of somebody who's at a higher level, but they don't know how to get there, right? And then at the middle level, it's about they're envious, but they know how to get there a little bit because they're educated, they have a system, they have a network. And then as you grow through the ranks of the ladder, your network expands, your reach expands, your knowledge expands because your knowledge is now able to give you uh, the ability to do multiple and better things. And your network things. also. But if there is, if, if, you, if you take that thread, right, that thread could be put in two different ways, right? One thread could be the thread of a victim, right? Um, the janitor is a victim. I grew up poor. I didn't have the resources. My mom was a single mom. My dad was an alcoholic. Whatever be right, those. Right, the stories. But there, that... are st- but there are use cases there that there are janitors who, who studied under a street light and, Rags not, to riches. and became <laughs> a rack to riches stories. But they are very few. Yeah. So along that thread, regardless of where you fall on that thread, from the most empowered to the least empowered, there could be this this thing that you play, which we can call the victim card, right? Then along that same thread, there's a group of people that don't play the victim card, but they play this card of being intellectually curious. Right. And that is in, in, in Greek, right? I came across this word called keros, which basically means being able to identify the opportunity that it presents to in you in front of you. How do you present? How do you identify the opportunity? How do I even know? If it's worth going after. In this world today on the digital media, if you open up Instagram, there's opportunities galore, right? All kinds of stuff. So you're going to go crazy if you think everything is an opportunity. So now that intellectual curiosity could take you into multiple paths. How do you know which path to take? So that is where you seek a mentor right the first part of it is what's who are you surrounded by in your family in your friends in your social circles are you the happy-go-lucky you come back and you go party on a friday night or every day night and so you would know who to even surround by depending on your aspirations if you're on the victim side with envy and jealousy and anger and hate if you're if you're on the other side with intellectual curiosity to grow wealth, um, financial independence, relationships, health, all of that, right? So even if you have some ingredients in any of those domains, you will seek. I think, right? Let's say you're a banker, and you are very you're very intentional about your health. You will seek. So when you're on social media. You're going to seek what kind of food yeah. should I eat and so on. Your interests are kind of reflected in your consumption patterns as well. Your interests are also your passion. 
Right. In some cases, your interest and your passion might be a hobby. In some cases, your interest and passion might become a profession. I would say that a doctor becomes a doctor not to go there and just make money, even though there might be exceptions. There's exceptions everywhere. But a doctor who spends 14 years of their education to become a doctor is not doing it just for money. Their core value is Their core value, service. their passion to serve is transformed into a profession, right? So that is, those are the two things. But I think the, the connector between the victim and the non-victim is that intellectual curiosity. The victim will never probably consciously deal, align towards becoming curious. I'm going to be honest. I feel like I'm very intellectually curious. Like I, when I look at you and I look at me and I look at Roth and I look at mom, like I feel like we're all very ambitious, but I do feel like you could be super ambitious and intellectually curious, but I also feel like everyone to a certain extent is going to fall into that victim mode unintentionally. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's very normal. It's very human to fall into that mode, right? We all have. Especially when you're going after something that is very unconventional or you're pursuing curiosities and passions that have uncertainty or are there things that you're like you said your whole network how you need to be surrounded by a network so you could find your mentor but when you don't have that network I feel like it's so easy for a person to just fall into victim mentality because not everyone has like the luxuries to to find like that network like we're luckily we were I was born in Miami so like we were automatically just closer to a city and city means more technological advancements more access to celebrities and we luckily were always around that but for a person who grew up in like Utah or something like that it's just so hard for them to have that mindset of like expansion or abundance so some people like leave their environment I know some people say to just get out of your home and go somewhere else if you can do that so, you, so you're surrounded by that network and would you would you agree with that yeah you know obviously easier said easier said than done sometimes and I have been a victim I, of, of, of the victim uh, crisis, right? Playing the victim card. I came to this country with nothing, right? A bunch of uh, debt taken from home, um, came in, became a student, flipped eggs, washed dishes, did everything, right? Like any other immigrant who comes to this country. And uh, fortunately, I ended up getting a scholarship. But there were moments along that journey where I would sit down and brood about it, right? There were moments in that journey at many, many times where I would brood about it to myself. And right? what would you say? And I would, uh, things, many things that, you know, uh, didn't have a family circle, right? Because there was nobody here. They were all overseas. Uh, didn't have someone who could, um, who could actually recognize my strengths and do something about it, right? Elevate me to a point, open up the doors. But, but I do have to then counter that and say that there were a handful of people, which I can count on my fingers, that today when I reflect back, were the people who actually were my stepping stones. Right? Did you they, seek them? Or did I, they, were they around I, you? You know, it's very funny. I didn't seek them. So my first job, when I did my first job, a, a, a short story here, right? Um, this company was going to get a $30 million project. They were staffing up. So they hired me right out of college. I was supposed to do project schedules, Microsoft project schedules. And that's an important job because, you know, you have to make sure how these tasks and activities align and you have to make sure everything gets done. So I'm learning Microsoft project. I didn't know how to do it. The guy gave me the software. This is where you have to load the software in a PC, gave me a book. I spent a month. I learned it. I drew the whole thing, sat with him. 
And before I realized the CEO of that company is a small company, we were all sitting and going over the schedule. And I'm like sweating, thinking, did I really do this right? And these guys are like pouring over a schedule that just uh, an entry level guy did it. Anyway, so the guy who hired me, who was the president of the company, he basically says, okay, Hardeep, now you take this schedule and add this, this, this to it. For example, he wanted me to add resources to it, like, you know, people. Then he wanted to add equipment to it, heavy equipment. I did that and I gave it to him. He says, okay, now we have two projects. Now add a schedule for another project and add resources to it too. So I go and do the second project, right? And go back to him. He says, okay, now we have two projects. If they're both happening at the same time and you have a finite amount of people working on it and a finite amount of equipment and labor uh, working on it, how do I deconflict it? Because there's only 40 hours in a week and people can only work here and there. But the tasks and the activities are all overlapping. So now go converge both these schedules into a master schedule. So now I go back and learn again. And so now I converge both these schedules into a master schedule. That project effort ended up becoming like 20 projects. Cumulated, cumulated, cumulated into this master schedule, like running into hundreds and hundreds of lines. And ultimately it was on this big drawing sheet. The point here is that person was indirectly my mentor because he actually empowered me with the skill set but in the process I was learning and I ended up becoming that master the go-to person in that company where there was a project problem or a scheduling problem go to Hardeep now what did that do it wasn't just a skill set it was also an opportunity to sit down with the CEO of the company very rarely you get to do that because who's the go-between who's the interpreter the point here is that I didn't know the definition of a true definition of mentor. And that takes you back into that evolution theory of how do you evolve over time as a professional? What was your identity then? It was partly victim. It was partly thirst, partly the fire in the belly to grow, to do something better. But then I didn't have this idea or a concept of identifying who those people could be. But I think the takeaway there is always what can you give first, right? Before you can actually take. That's a big one because it goes back to transactional versus transformational. And I think that applies to networking as well as well, because it's so funny, man, because I'll like be on my Instagram, right? And I'll go, I'll get DMs and I'll get all of these DMs from these video editors. And they're from like India, Philippines. And they're, they're all just like, you can tell that they're, they're trying to provide value, but it comes off as like transactional, just a quick, give me money, give me money. And I feel like it's all connected to networking. Like how can you provide, how do you first identify that you have value? And then how do you actually approach people who are above the ranks that you want to learn from? And how do you bridge that gap to provide value? Because I think a lot of people have fears or limiting beliefs about what their value is in the first place. And then they don't know how to communicate their value in the workplace, but also to mentors that they want to be mentored by. How do you do that? So, you know, it's funny you say this. I believe everybody has some value. So you make some great banana breads. Me? Yeah, or mom, right? But you have, you make some great recipes. I make some really good food, right? bro. That's a value, right? Convert that value as a hobby, which you do, into a profession, right? 
And in the workplace, and I'll connect it to my former workplace, right? But I'm still connected to the water environment technology space. There are, anybody who's gone to college has a value. Anybody who's gone to school has a value. Anybody who's worked in a professional environment has a value. What about people who didn't go to school or they dropped out? They still have value. They have a value by informal work arrangements. I was talking to my barber the other day. And he's so amazing. He's, oh, yeah. He's responsible for my new looks, right? And he's starting his own business and this and that. And I said, listen, you, you're not just a barber. You, you're striking a relation here. He's running a family. He's working long hours. He's standing on his feet, right? And he's doing certain things to be able to do that physically, mentally. Forget about his work, right? A teller in a bank has a value. They get irate customers, they get great customers. How do they handle that? Somebody in a professional environment, people who work in the, in the water industry, I don't care if it's somebody with a one-year experience or 30 years experience. And we are losing people left, right, and center by through retirements. We're saying aging workforce and all kinds of stuff, right? And people so, are like also, they realize there's more opportunities yeah, now beyond. We, I had a coworker, um, 40 plus years of experience in very, very prominent positions in industry, in government. He retired. And we lost that entire knowledge. On the flip side of it, sadly, I had another co-worker who was actually traveling overseas and, you know, a great friend, and he passed away. So anybody who we have lost, either because they've passed away or they have retired, is intellectual value lost from this planet. I know it sounds cheesy. I know it sounds philosophical. I know it sounds no. crazy. But those of us who are here today, everybody has some value. And if we don't extract that value, if we don't share that value, then that learning ecosystem is just not there, especially in, 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 on topics that are very complicated, right? Uh, things like the environment, things like wellness, things like health. If you open digital medium today, digital media today, you see so many things on the in the wellness space. Do this, don't do that. Oh my you know? God, all and, these fads. Yeah. Now, how does a person recognize a fad from not a fad? Somebody who's really suffering is willing to try anything and everything under the roof. I remember you told me, this per connects perfectly to a story you told me the other day about this lady that you were talking to and she's just addicted to social media and then she had to delete social media yeah. because she always shops. Yeah. But you you know her consumption pattern, right? And she, I think you mentioned how she like wants to take care of her health, but then it's like you're bombarded with all of these products and all of these get rich quick or lose 20 pounds really quick. And it's like, how do you distinguish what's right from what's wrong, what's true from what isn't? She admitted, she says, I, Harip, I had to get rid of social media because I'm a binge shopper. She says, I have lotions and potions and creams and oils and all kinds of stuff for anything and everything, right? And, and, and rightfully so. There are creams today stuffed with CoQ10. Okay, who the heck knows if CoQ10 is, first of all, do you even know what CoQ10 is? Second, <laughs> do you even know that it has penetrated your body? Just because somebody said CoQ10 is good for you and it's in this portion that you put on your skin, skin and magically CoQ10 goes into your body, that's, that's BS. So again, what does that mean? Do you just take something at face value because it is advertised? Or do you take the time to read what the heck CoQ10 is? That's what intellectual curiosity is about. So if you don't, if you're eating something and it's got a bunch of food ingredients on a label, right? 
some of us read it, some of us don't. But if you read it, are you then understanding what it is? Or do you even know how to read the label in the first well, place? Well, that is, that is another gap in the industry. That is a, a, a great conversation talk, actually, because, you know, if you, if you take a look at, we are segueing a little into now wellness, right? So, and I, I like that topic because it connects to the work I did. I've always spoken in the sense that water, air, have no boundaries. I don't care if, if China is polluting or India is polluting uh, and the fish comes from some other ocean because at the end of the day, the, the oceans are not, you know, politically bound, <laughs> right? No a fish A fish has no political boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if you're eating fish from some part of the world, we say, oh, it's, it's, it's wild caught. So it's supposed to be good. And if it's farmed, it's not good right? Because of many reasons. Now, who, who really knows? It's not tested by the USDA. It's not tested for any mercury. There's no food labeling that goes on a fish that was caught in the wild. But we take that for granted. We say, oh, wow, this was caught in the wild. So I'm going to eat it because it's good. Agreed? Until you become, an, until you become a big fish eater and then you say, oh, I have mercury. Now, tuna has more mercury than some of the fish that are lower in the benthic chain, right? The, the smaller the lifespan of the fish, the less of the mercury. So the point here is, when you go back to food labels, it all boils down to what is it that you are researching and how are you applying it to your body? And are you really thinking, are you really listening to the outcomes of your body? Because we really don't connect what we eat to the internal, internal things in the organ. Right, we only see it when it manifests. Yeah, into in, health ailments in an external environment. And then we we take the pill, we pop the pill, we pop the drug. But so it goes back to again that identity, right? Your what is your identity? What's your external manifestations, and what are you internally? Internally, only you know you. Yeah. Only you know you in terms of where do you want to be. Because every human being is different. So there's no one size fit all in a diet. And the same goes right? for like... There's no one size fit all in a career. And there's no one size fit all in curiosity. So the moment you are you against you in the sense that I'm on this path, I'm on this journey, then you're at peace with yourself. And then at that point, the true intellectual journey starts, in my opinion, because now you're not in this rat race of comparing yourself with others. You're not seeking validation. I'm not wanting to sound philosophical here, but you get the point. Yeah, but it's also, it's all, you know, what's crazy. I agree with everything you're saying. It's just so, it becomes way harder to see what's true for you, what isn't, who your identity is, what you choose to believe, what you choose to consume. If you're not engaging in like self-autonomy, I feel like a person has to have self-autonomy in their own decision-making in order for them to like not take what everyone says at face value and to create their own conclusions, their own beliefs about whatever the situation is, whether it's related to your diet or your wellness or your career or your just your perception of yourself. And I feel like people are so quick. Like, let's be real, people, including us. Like, I used to be so quick to take the opinions of what everyone around me told me to do about my health, about my wellness, about my career decisions, about how I should speak on camera, about how I should show up, what I should talk about. And in reality, it's like, you can't change until you get clear about what your core values are as a person. Because if your identity core value is, I'm someone who is self-autonomous, then now, whether it's related to your diet, your career, whatever it is, 
you're automatically going to ask yourself, what is my core value? And is that core value being showcased in this decision that I'm taking or making? The same thing goes for like gossiping. Like, you know, you like so many people in the workplace, like they gossip. So many people do. And it's do like, you gossip? no, but I, mom tells me, mom, <laughs> mom, mom tells me this. Mom tells me like at work, like, like let's, she, she tells me straight up. She's like, women are just always talking and gossiping. And I'm just like, I'm sitting there and like, you know, mom, mom is so quiet and to herself, but she's always thinking she's always analyzing her environment and we're the same way. And so that, that's a little bit off tangent, but it goes back to why are you smiling? It's true. It's like your core value. If you're a gossiper, then naturally you're always going to gossip about the people around you, but it's connected to victim mentality too. Gossiping. You yeah. Mean? That's simple. That's it's like, deep. It's deep. So I have a question for you. Remind me if I forget. It's about this autonomy thing that you said. Right? Go back to that because so, I went on a tangent. Okay. So autonomy, you said this, you said something about autonomy, right? And values. And you come from that younger generation, right? And this, this is great. This is this intergenerational conversation because I see things from a different lens, but I also feel that I'm an outlier in my generation. That's what I feel. You right? definitely are. So I'm an, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a misfit there because I'm I'm always disrupting things. And I feel like you made me like that and Rohit like that because I feel like an outcast in my in my like as a kid too. Sadly, I always did. Sadly, I didn't. Okay, if you have to, t if I have to wind back twenty years, right, and say, okay, how would I do parenting again, right? Because now I have this knowledge, right. Maybe I would redo it, but I don't have the luxury of going back 20 years and reparenting you, right? But you have that luxury when you have kids, right? But we have the luxury together to, to extract things that worked, that didn't work, and share it with the rest of the world, right? And that's, that's the calling. That's the, the karma. Which that's is kind the, of why we're doing this. That is why we're doing this, right? Because there's never any right or wrong to anybody. There's no right or wrong. The whole purpose of evolution is stumble, fall, learn, stumble, fall, learn, learn or win. <laughs> right. So, you know, in the in the technical world, we talk about these models or in climates, in the climate science, you know, when you have a hurricane, how do these uh, these guys in the, on camera all day long show you all these models that the hurricane is going in this like direction? How do they predict how the do they do that? Coming? It's data from historical information that gets programmed into this computer algorithm. And then the computer algorithm does some gimmicks and some magics, given those conditions in the oceans and whatnot in the environment. And then it says, okay, based on historical, if this happens, then this hurricane is going in that direction. Same thing with us. Nobody was given a manual or a blueprint. Did you have a blueprint when you were born to say, do this. If you do this, you'll get this. And if you do this, you'll get this. No, no, I didn't have a manual. You didn't have manual. I wish life was as simple as getting a manual to say, this is your life manual. Maybe AI one day will develop a life <laughs> manual also. Right. But we are not there. So go back to autonomy. What you are today is a function of autonomy while you were growing back. Well, while, while you were growing up, you were given a free reign to do many things call it self-discovery within reason. You know, there were certain parameters that were given to you to say you have, you have yeah, to. Yeah, which no, is important. Right, right. So those you followed, but then you had a lot of autonomy to do many things. Now, there are some who don't have that autonomy. Agreed? Not everybody has that luxury of autonomy. So from your lens, right, where you are in your generation, how do you see that those who don't have that autonomy, how do they cope? What do they do? 
what are their options do they have any it's hard no it's hard because it's it comes back to how you were raised as well because if if the parents didn't have autonomy or if they weren't self-aware about certain things then it passes on to the child as well and not everyone i feel like i was lucky because you were the mentor for me growing up and you allowed both me and Rohit to be very creative. Like you gave us certain benchmarks of things we had to follow. Like we had to do really good in school, but you also instilled this core value of curiosity. We, mom and I. Yeah, mom's not here, but yeah, both you <laughs> and mom. For sure, mom too, in her yeah. own ways too. You instilled a core, you and mom instilled a core value of curiosity in both me and Rohit. And I feel like that was because you were curious and mom was curious, but it's exactly what you're saying. If Unfortunately, the kid won't be curious if that environment around that kid isn't curious. So if the parents are stuck living life a certain way, believing things a certain way, not questioning their own values, their own contributions or their own potential, then naturally it's going to fall under the kid. And yeah, I mean, we, we know there's stories where kids have came from nothing and they've created everything, but it's not, it's not a one size fits all and that's not applicable to everyone. So I do think it's harder for a kid who's been in that kind of environment to break free from that shell. But then it goes back to what we're saying about you have to be a seeker. And I think the first step is unlearning. And it goes back to this quote by Alan Watts. I came across this quote from this podcast. Alan Watts said, a scholar is someone who learns new things every day, but a student is someone who unlearns things every day. And I think we need to redefine what it means to be a student because a student is someone who is taking the initiative to unlearn the skills, the knowledge or the, or whatever they believe to be true about themselves. And that is something that I think is another value of mine and yours. And I think it's a lesson that I want to always teach my community because I always think like you cannot instill new inputs and new data into your, into your psyche. If you're not unlearning the data and the psyche, that's just holding you back. And I think you can only be curious when you're also engaging in a process of unlearning. Yeah. That's very important. The student. I think I might drop. <laughs> exactly. That's huge, right? So now let's let's break that down a little bit more. If you are trying to learn something, you, I'm talking about you now, and this could apply to anybody, it could apply to me too. And I go to someone who knows, who I know knows about it, right? Could be a celebrity who knows many things and I'm going to learn something, right? Could be a normal person. If you present yourself in front of that normal person projecting that you know things, then the concept of learning, that, that, that environment of learning is shot, right? Basically goes back to your point. Even if you know, you might know the terms and terminologies, but you're not there to the extent that person is there. So at that point, it is about uh, going back and projecting that you don't know it. A person Whether who you... knows everything is a person who knows nothing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that means that's that process of unlearning. But take that process back into the family, which is where we were talking. And if the parent or parents, right, you said or the mind said that it's very difficult because they don't have the autonomy. They don't have these things. Resources. It's, a, it's a very structured environment. Let's assume resources are there, but it's a very schoolish environment you're going to school you're coming back you're doing your homework you're doing some extracurricular activities that's all great and but at this but the at the end of the day where is that exposure happening in terms of polishing and going over and above and beyond just that school environment right it is that academic knowledge and some other extracurricular activities 
where is the connection to the community where is the connection to the footprint where are where are all those other things happening now let's assume even that is happening right but if but if the parent is not intellectually curious because there's conversations at the dinner table every day and with the advent of social media which wasn't as prevalent as you were there when you were growing up um, you know, you see how many times, and we have been victims, how many times you go to restaurants and we see families and we're analyzing and we're saying every one of them is on the phone. Not taking pictures, but browsing through this. We did that. We did that. We did that. And so the, the, the waiter comes, gives the food, everybody's eating food and even while eating food, they're, they're, they're doing this, right? And that there's a whole cons- conversation on that front. But that same, but going back to the family environment, let's say that family environment is a father and a mother, and the parents are now employees or leaders or CEOs or CTOs of an organization, right? Yeah. And we say that the family here is a family there. You've heard this thing that we spend a lot of time in the workplace and we are a big family and we should be doing working as a family. And so, you know, it begs attention that I've seen so many workplaces that are really horrible. They're horrible, but people are there and I have been in that situation in my early years, but I was quite vocal about it to say, well, this is how it's going to be. I remember one supervisor of mine, and, and I don't like the word supervisor again, and that's a conversation for another topic maybe, said, hey, we have to do your evaluation. We used to have this annual evaluations. And basically, it basically says, how did you do over the year? Did you, did you do well? Where do you have to improve? All that is good. Employee feedback, Right. But employee feedback shouldn't just happen once a year. If you're my boss or supervisor, you should be telling me, coaching me, mentoring me incrementally. Yeah. Right? Not at the end of the year, not even six months. Incremental uh, feedback is what I would, I would value. But anyway, so the word had it in the company that this man would have his evaluations on a Friday evening at five o'clock and it would go on for three hours. And people would put up with it. And my time came and I knew that this is what is going to happen. So he approached me, he says, Friday evening, I said, I won't take his name, but I said, listen, um, we're not doing it on a Friday evening. First of all, it's Friday evening, it's after work. And why should evaluations happen after work? Not that I was an hourly paid employee, but it didn't make any sense because I was already biased by the fact hearing from others, Gossip, yeah. water cooler gossip that, hey, this guy's evaluations are for, 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 for three hours. I said, listen, we would go to lunch and our, our evaluation shouldn't take more than an hour, you know, at best 30 hours. If it's going more than an hour, that means I don't need to be here. I'm doing something grossly wrong that you're going to evaluate yeah. me for three hours. Now, agreed, this is a few years ago, but that person had a family and he had a great family. He was very knowledgeable, an expert in his field, but he had these specific nuances that just didn't fit in a workplace from a standpoint of being the person in charge, the person who's leading, you know, the micromanager type person, right? So there are these things that happen in the workplace that sadly I had taken, you know, in my stride for a long time because I did not have options at that point. I wasn't playing the, I'm not playing the victim card, but... I was looking for options. Then I get into the next workplace and this man was known to be in the workplace and say, hey, you know, everybody in the workplace should have library voices. Very knowledgeable person. 
very knowledgeable, right? But leadership style, terror. Why? Because that's how it was. You know, people lead because of how they have been raised, cultural differences, where they came from, what kind of systems they were exposed to, what kind of family values they came from. We don't know. But when it comes to the workplace, people... My, I've always kind of wondered, do you lead your family in the same way as you lead your yeah. family in the workplace? Because if both are families, are you going at home and telling your family members also that there should be library voices in the house? That's not true. That, not that anybody was screaming at the top of their voices. I understand there needs to be office decorums and all that good stuff. But you don't induce this fear in the person that if you speak loudly and if I hear it from my office, you're going to be disciplined. You're going to be written up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that connects to the, the at-home environment too. So the home environment is all about the individual because, you know, I think the, the, the point I'm trying to make is there, there should not be hierarchies in the home environment either. But at the same time, somebody's in charge. Somebody is calling the shots, right? It's the parents who are in charge and up until the kids are grown up. Then at some point, then it becomes a team. Then it, then the parents and the kids yeah. become friends, yeah, right? Exactly. And so there's evolution again. Right. The identity changes from a child to a kid to a teen to a friend. You know, in that relationship setting. Hopefully, in the in the best case scenario, in the worst it case scenario, change. it's it does. Some some people luck unfortunately don't have a good relationship. And that them. becomes a function of parenting, right? Uh, or family situations or whatnot but it's it's very interesting to see the dynamics of a family environment and the work environment which is also a family environment it kind of is a reflection and a so the learning and the curiosity and all that stuff depends very heavily for those who are in any work environment it depends very heavily on the person who's on the top I think the person at the top, whether it's a CEO or a supervisor, like that person needs to be like the student. Like that person always should be a student because if that person stops putting that student hat on and starts, doesn't like unlearn their own leadership style or the way they communicate with their employees or the way they manage a team, then you're never going to grow and you're always going to have, I don't know if ego is the right word, but that ego is going to cause resentment for the whole bottom line. Absolutely. But you know what's the good thing? My, if I have to speculate today, that is changing like every day. Gone are the days where companies can think that people are like bonded labor. Yeah. If there are companies today that you think that your employees don't have an option, you're grossly wrong. You better go and get yeah, a reality they check. They can leave. People Absolutely. Are I mean, like Wendy's, McDonald's, like they're always hiring. Like, yeah. company, like there's no one who wants to like work. Even anymore in professional environments, mind you. You know, you could be working from any part of the world today, right? Yeah. If, if you were in the content creation medium or you were in the journalism medium, you could be doing anything. You could be sitting in Hawaii and doing your work. The digital medium has connected us all through the internet. You could be working overseas and all of a sudden you're a 24-7 operation. If I have an employee, let's say in the Philippines or India, right? Yeah. I'm sleeping, they're working, they're sleeping, I'm working. So the point is that if companies do not evolve their identities then at the end of the day that's a problem i understand what's the bottom line for a company profitability 
you know what this reminds me of? Like take, take the example of Netflix and Blockbuster. Remember how Blockbuster, you would go into Blockbuster, you would buy DVDs and then you would leave. Mm -hmm. And then Netflix came around. Netflix evolved because Netflix started delivering DVDs to people versus VHS at Blockbuster. And then they Netflix decided to do on stream like live on streamings blockbuster went out of business and I feel like that also connects to evolving because companies are constantly going to have to evolve especially in the digital evolution and the technological evolution with AI and and God knows what absolutely so AI will transform a lot of things and there's all this buzz going on or oh, AI is going to take over jobs and will become jobless Listen, if you don't fall in line with that... That's with victim. That, yeah. And if you don't fall in line and become curious and learn about it, then you will go, you're will you going to fall off. You're screwed. Right? You yeah. either get onto the bus or decide to stand on the sidewalk and, 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 and take a and, megaphone yep. and, and carry some placards and... The that buses, happened. That happened. It still happened. In California, and, and I, I have, saw it there. I have nothing against um, people voicing their opinions. I have nothing against this conversation of people in, in my world, like, you know, people who are saying about talking about climate change and all that stuff, they're picketing, they're protesting and all the good stuff, right? Fine, do it. But there needs to be an action around it also. Otherwise, right? it's just activism. All activism and no action is also no use. Same thing with AI. Get, get on the bus. Transform. Become curious. Build your relationships. Your position is going to grow leaps and bounds. You have just taken on this thing that jobs are going to be lost. Why aren't you thinking that your job can become... 10 times better. Yeah. Right? Bro, mic drop. If you can just transform and learn something, for after all, you've gone to school for four years, if you can go and learn something else and become part of, let's say, OpenAI. OpenAI is hiring. The other day I was looking at their job positions. Like they're hiring left, right, and center around the world. This is one company, right? So it goes even for like a content creator or a creative perspective, right? Like writers, there are so many writers and they believe like, oh, AI is just going to replace me. No, because AI can never replace the human connection of communication. In fact, AI is going to make your writing way easier, especially if you know how to communicate and write. I remember when TikTok came out. The people who hopped on TikTok, like within that first year in 2020, when COVID hit, those people were the ones who grew the most. Whenever something new comes out in your industry or whether everyone's talking about it, that is a sign that you should hop on the wave. So, you know, this takes you into this, this realm, a child born today, right? Post, let's say post COVID world, a child born pre COVID and post COVID completely different set of realities, right? Because a child born pro post COVID is probably live with them is going to live with the mask right at some point they know it hey they say it's normal and pre-covid for people like us like what the heck you know you had to wear masks at some it was a very difficult sad fearful scary reality now when a person is born that person has probably three ecosystems that that a person goes through first is the family ecosystem then is the school ecosystem college school ecosystem and then it's the work professional ecosystem whether you're an entrepreneur working for yourself or whether you have a job right these three ecosystems are so critical and so important that that is what shapes the individual right and all of us as parents want to do the best for our kids I don't think there's any family any parent that will knowingly say I'm doing it wrong Right. Right. You're just not Absolutely aware. not. Every parent wants to make sure. Sometimes parents do feel guilty. We used to that, you know, and that is the reason in, when you guys were born and we never had an extended family, mom became a homemaker 
because you guys would fall sick. We were paying through our noses for these daycares and not getting food. And mom and I would come home late and we are picking up food from outside and there's no health. So we never regretted that decision. She became a homemaker, sacrifice, right? But never a victim. But we jointly made that decision to say, listen, one of us is going to take the lead. The other one is going to take the lead at home, right? right. That's what that's what a team is all about, whether right. it's in the workplace or whether it's not about positions, egos, validations, realities, none of that. Both roles we have value. We took a conscious decision to bring two kids into this world. We had to do something to make sure we're not feeding you chicken nuggets and fries every day yeah. or pizzas. We did that, which we are guilty of because we didn't know better. Ignorance is bliss to that extent. So when you guys, then when she became a homemaker, she, you know, you'd go to the park, you'd come back, you'd have a nap, you'd wake up, all of that stuff was getting done. So that home ecosystem becomes so super critical. And it is, you only know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. Mic drop. That's a mic drop. Okay. So, so so let's reflect on that a little bit. When I came to this country, Simi, 93, right? I was fortunate not to be total adversity. I would be lying if I say that, but I was not total wealth either. I lost my dad at a very young age. My mother became a homemaker. She started taking up a job. I was almost on the verge of having to quit my engineering school. She said no, all of that happened. But when I came to this country, there was abundance of materialistic stuff. Let's talk about food. Even though I was walking to school and coming back and flipping eggs and all that good stuff, I go into the grocery stores, I have these cartons and cartons of 15 different varieties of juices. Oh, wow. Okay? Yeah. And so the Tropicana's of the world. And I'm like, wow, we take home pineapple juice, mixed orange juice. This, they were like different varieties. And all of us are binging on this juice. <laughs> like Who's us? My roommates oh, and I. okay. Uh, can, like those one liter bottles of Coca-Colas. I would never ever think twice with every Coca-Cola was with every meal. My first job as an intern, they had a vending machine and I would just sit and write reports all day long. I'm sipping and, Coke. And I would, I would, eight o'clock in the morning, I was buying a can of Coke from the vending machine. When I think about all that, it's not that I didn't know. I didn't know. This yeah. concept of sugar wasn't very well attributed, right? But I was, I was aware about it, but I was, it wasn't well attributed. Today we know sugar is not just sugar and your fasting glucose levels are not the only thing. We, today we know that there is, I didn't even know this concept of, you know, hey, pancreas and insulin and insulin resistance. But today we know, and thankfully to Rohit, right? He has opened up, and that was my wellness transformation. Right. You know, there's a video. Yeah, be curious. Yeah, there's a video he did of me, and he actually posted that video on on YouTube somewhere. I'm not sure where it is. I made a. I feel like I made a total mockery of myself. Why? Because I could not articulate well that all these differences between glucose, <laughs> sucrose, oh, I saw it. fructose. It's on Riverside, right? The Zoom video? Somewhere it was done. <laughs> I saw it. But glucose, you should probably take some... And, and you're you're touching your hair and you're like... You're <laughs> you should take snippets of that and, and probably share that, that here. That is so funny. I, that's so true. I went crazy. I read... <laughs> and I felt like an idiot. You, stupid. You like because I idiot. thought I'm an intellectual, not intellectual, I'm an analytical person. I'm a science person, even though I'm an engineer. Yeah, um, you looked a little so, so as he's questioning me, I'm kind of, in my mind, I'm like pretending that I know these answers, right? 
And then he gave me a check and mate. Incrementally, he took me to a check and mate situation. And I didn't know he was trolling me a little bit, but he was also questioning me, you know, politely. So wait, you're, you were trying to act like you knew the answer? Let, not act. I, in my, I'm not faking it, but I thought with a lot answer. of conviction that I knew it, right? So The person who thinks they know everything is the person who knows nothing. Goes back to unlearning. To learn goes back to you only know what you it's know. It's funny and you don't though know because you don't you're know. you're. It's so funny because in our family dynamic, right? I feel like you teach me, mom teaches me, you teach Rohit, mom teaches Rohit, but also Simi teaches dad. Too. Simi teaches dad. Rohit teaches dad. Simi teaches mom, and yeah. I feel like that shit is crazy. And so that whether it is right, whether it is wrong, I don't. That's I, right. I, I don't care. But this intergenerational conversation is so super critical and we should talk about it today or some other day. Some other day. And you have to take this intergenerational thing and plant it in the workplace because there's a lot of noise happening in the workplace that says, well, the younger generation don't understand what they want. The younger generation want instant gratification. This is from my generation, right? And so they don't want to pay their dues. All of that might be true. But what are you doing to adapt on their side because they are the ones who are going to take your shoes. You're not going to be here forever. So you better adapt. What is the school system and the education system doing to evolve along with the industry? Not much, sadly. Hear this out. Teachers, sadly, are the most underpaid in this country. Agreed? Right. Okay. If teachers are going to mold the identity of the student... And that student spends eight hours a day in school and the remainder at home, most of it is sleeping and just eating, right? So that teacher should be probably being paid like like, like the most. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I would argue that that teacher should be paid like at least a six-figure salary. Yeah, I agree. On the contrary, what happens? Underpaid, Teachers undervalued. are spending their own money to buy markers and Sharpies and stationery. And we used to do that when you were when you were growing up. So... It is a, it's an upside down system. Now, how are you upskilling the teachers? That's a conversation. How are you retooling the teachers? So if the teachers are not being upskilled to learn about tech and AI and data and what the industry needs. So there you see what's happening here. There is no connection between the school system and the industry. And I've seen this gap even in colleges and the industry. So when I used to interview students that came out of great colleges, I used to see, I used to feel very, it was it a very sad skills? situation like because everything. Yeah. I had one one kid who was doing an interview. You want to hear the story? Yeah. Okay. So so I was, we were interviewing for this team and he was a young college graduate, maybe 24, 25 years. He came in and he started talking to me and he was waiting for a long time because I was running for, I was running late to a meeting. So I apologized to him and he was shortlisted, mind you. He was number two on the list out of like 20 people. He was number two on the list. Anyway, bring him in. We sit down like this. I said, listen, he, when I shook his hands, his hands were sweating, right? So now I said, okay, this guy is nervous <laughs> like shit, right? I said, I said listen, you, you're already, you're, you're on the shortlist. Don't, don't worry, you know, relax. He was sweaty? He was sweaty. His hands were like sweating. Poor guy felt bad. So I made him sit down and talk to him and blah, blah, blah. And I said, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? You know, standard kind of breaking the ice kind of questions. And he says, well, I'm working at University of Miami for 80 hours, age zero, because he's doing construction and this and that. And I said, okay, respect that. Nobody wants to work 80 hours. Maybe you have a family, take care of family or whatever. So I said, okay, I get it. So then I pointed a question to him after making him comfortable. I said, listen, why do you want to come and work for the government? 
oh, you know, I first thought he thinks, he thought government is a cushy job and everybody just twiddled their thumbs. Some of them maybe, I won't say it, I won't generalize it, government does work hard, right? It's just that we get a bad rap because I don't think we showcase ourselves enough, but that's another story. Anyway, so I asked him, I said, what is that one thing that you know that is the most important in this department today? What is it, that one thing? I prodded him from left, right, center, you know, configured those questions this way, that way. The guy couldn't even answer. He couldn't. Was he, he just nervous? couldn't. Uh, no, he, he didn't. didn't. He know. didn't know the answer. Oh. And then, and that answer was very important for a few reasons because it was in the billions of dollars that we, are going, we were spending in the county to do these massive mega projects. He didn't answer. So I, he left. I said, we'll let you know. Then I called the guy who interviewed him. I said, we were both, the guy was there. The guy who interviewed him was in the room. So he actually saw the dynamics. So the student leaves, the candidate leaves. Then his person who interviewed him, he and I were there. I said, so what do you think? And there was like this pin drop silence. He says, you're right. I said, listen, the reason I don't want to offer him a job because I did not see one ingredient in him. And he said, what is that ingredient? What, what is it that you didn't see in him? I said, listen, I was running late. I apologized to him. He was there for 20 minutes. I understand he works for 80 hours. But I expected him, being a part of the younger generation, I expected him to go to www.miamiday.gov and read up about this place, right? And he didn't. And he didn't because he, he did know. not know. So he never read up about the department. He, if he would have gone on my LinkedIn profile, he would have seen something. You, you see what I'm saying? So what's the lesson? So the lesson is intellectual curiosity. You were not curious. So if I hire somebody like this and make them a part of my team, I don't care if that person is coming to you to be the person who's your custodian or your janitor or your mechanic or your engineers. The, you need to be the, team, the team needs to vibrate at, a, at the same frequency. Yeah. You can't have people who are slacking off on the team, especially when you're building a team, right? Yeah. And so I, I never extended him. I never extended him that offer. So that is that That's word that intellectual curiosity comes in, and it, you know, Simi, I have to say this. It takes me back to this thing about this, this keros, this Greek word. You know, I'm, I'm kind of. Uh, we, uh, we, yeah. We, I'm obsessed we that with word. that word we, lately. Yeah, same here. And you know why? Because. It is, and peop, and I think there needs to be some training, right, where people understand, I don't care if you're a student, you're as old as I am, whatever. If you can be trained intuitively and you have this magic lens in front of you that you are able to differentiate that the Kairos moment presented in front of you. What is the Kairos? The people won't know what it means. Kairos, Kairos is this Greek word that... It's an opportunity that presents to you and you are able to recognize that opportunity and, and you're able to seize that opportunity and you make it a part of your DNA and that becomes a part of your personal development and growth and it's incremental. So Kairos moments are presenting to you always. All the time. All always. the time. You just have to be curious. And so you have to be curious and you have to be able to extract elements of it and then you have to operationalize those elements to an implementation yep. you just can't have curiosity come in and you just ingest it and then you don't yeah. do something about yeah. it right you have to do something about it so i think that is that is the takeaway that's it's a perfect way to end this because that is why we started this podcast it was because we came across this word called kairos 
that Kairos word resonated with us so, so much because it describes just everything that we, we stand by. And I think I'm just excited for all the conversations we're going to have in the future. I mean, this was such a good conversation and I feel like we could go on and on and on, but my, now I'm hungry. And I think if we talk more, it's just gonna, it's not gonna, I want, I want, I want to do justice to this and I want people to absorb all the information and knowledge that we've, that we've shared here today, because I'm going to have to watch it again. I'll end it with three things. Unlearn to relearn. You only know what you know and you don't know what you don't know. And with that, make me a cup of coffee and some banana bread. No, wait, what's the sec? <laughs> what's the other two? Oh, buddy. Oh, oh, oh. The, the third one is intellectual, <laughs> intellectual curiosity. That's the first one you said. Intellectual Unlearning. curiosity. Unlearn to relearn. You only know what you know and you don't know what you don't know. And you lace all of this with the Kairos moment. Become a Kairosian. Hey, that's a new word. That's, that's our word. That's become, our word. That's our word. That's our we, word. <laughs> yeah. Become a Kairosian. That sounds, that sounds cool. Yeah. 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 I know. I'm Is, excited. Okay. Let's end it here. Let's All end right. it here. I'm tired. I want to eat. come back. Bye, everyone. <laughs>